I am very grateful to be able to be here and invite you to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, the passage is much bigger than I am, but I want us to look at it this morning, and I noticed something about this passage. It is an effort to clarify for us or to make very clear for our understanding what God wants us to know because He is inviting us to come to Himself. Now, Pam and I have a couple of Australian shepherds, and one of them's name is Rebel. Rebel was due for her shots yesterday morning. She was to be there about 9.30. So on Friday, I sent myself a note on my phone and said, take Rebel for shots, 8.30. And uh, it translated it this way, take Rudell for shots. Well, the Rudells attend this service. So uh, I knew that couldn't be right. So I wanted to use more diction and so I used more diction, and I said, take rebel for shots. I kid you not, on my phone, these words came up. Take Red Bull for shots. <laughs> in the Older Testament, we see that the people, in order to have their sins atoned, had to bring sacrifices. They had to sacrifice animals. And we also know that the Scripture would teach us in the Older Testament that in the sacrifice of the animals once a year, the high priest would go into the temple area, pass the outer precincts and all the other courts into a sanctuary called the Holy of Holies. Common people were not able to go in there, just the high priest once a year. They had a bell tied to him. They also had a rope around the ankle. If when he went into the Holy of Holies to offer the sacrifice for the sins of the people to God, God was not pleased this priest might actually die. If they didn't hear the bell and they felt no tug on the rope, they were to pull him out. They were not to go in. This is the Holy of Holies. This is a place you don't mess with. This is a place where none of us would seek to go on our own. When Jesus came, as the video showed us just a little bit ago, when he died on the cross, a number of things happened. That was Jesus, God's son, dying on the cross. His blood was spilling on our behalf paying the penalty for sins of all who will believe in him. But something else happened. The sky turned dark. The earth began to tremble. Dead came out of graves. But at the temple, the curtain was torn at the Holy of Holies from the top to the bottom. Not from the bottom to the top. If it was from the bottom to the top, we would say the causation for that was somebody doing that. Somebody did that. But when it comes from the top, a great big curtain a strong curtain when it ripped from the top to the bottom. We say only God could do that. And so we see that Jesus is opening up the Holy of Holies to us to be able to go, to be able to approach God ourselves, to be able to come into his presence. Listen to this. Not worried if he will reject us, but aware that he knows everything about us, and he still invites us into his presence through prayer and worship as we do right here, right now, and as you can do at your home, and as you can do while you're driving down the car, uh, the road, and as you can do whenever you're at work, wherever you are, you can pray and open up your heart to him. And so the scripture says to us here that we have a great high priest. It says a great high priest. What this is saying to us, we have a significantly above any other priest you could ever imagine or will ever know. Anyone from all time, anytime, anywhere, this is the high priest. 
He is higher than any pastor you would know. He's way higher than myself. Any denomination in the world, that leader, higher than that leader, yes. He is higher than the Pope. He is higher than all others that might call themselves a minister or a priest. He is the great high priest who broke the veil open between the outer courts and the inner courts and now allows us to approach him in a beautiful and magnificent way. And this becomes an incredible invitation that he gives to us. So I want us to look at our high priest today, our great high priest, and I want to see the invitation that is given. And it is made more clear to us when we first of all notice the supremacy of our great high priest in verse 14. This high priest, Jesus, has passed through the heavens. After Jesus was dead, crucified, and after he rose from the dead, he was with many people. They recorded for us many of the sightings, many of the events and happenings. But one of the happenings was Jesus ascended back into heaven. He came as a baby in the womb of Mary, but now he ascends back into heaven. And as he ascends back into heaven, the angels come and speak to the disciples that are standing there watching him. But something happens that this scripture picks up on about that whole event. It says, this great high priest we have did not just go through the outer temple courts. He didn't just go through the temple precincts. He went past just the veil of the Holy of Holies. He has passed through that, and he has gone into the heavens. He's gone past the atmospheric heavens. He has gone past all of the planetary heavens. He has gone into what the Apostle Paul would call in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He has gone into the heaven where God is. And there he sits to make intercession for your sins and for mine, your requests and mine. Verse 14 expands on this and says he is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It makes absolutely no mistake to us that Jesus Christ is indeed God's Son. You know, when Jesus was baptized, and we all should be baptized, after we have come to faith in Christ, when Jesus was baptized, and Matthew's gospel records this, Jesus being baptized there, the voice from heaven, God himself, booms out, this is my beloved son. When you go into Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 5, you notice that it says something there. It says to us of Jesus that he is God's son. It says, you are my son, the scripture says. So we understand that Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And understanding that Jesus, our great high priest, having broken open the Holy of Holies, where we now can go in and expect him to forgive our sin, to hear our prayer, to minister to our needs, our hurts, our desires, the things we we need to do. Verse 14 concludes with this, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Or the faith we confess, it is literally translated by some. Martin Luther on this Reformation Sunday, April 18, 1521, as we celebrate that now. Martin Luther, the priest, was trying to be reconciled, or Charles V was trying to reconcile him to the Holy Roman Church. And Luther says, I'm not going to recant I'm not going to give up on what I know to be the truth. He said this, I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against my conscience is neither right or safe. Here I stand, I can do no other, so help me God, amen. And Luther was able to hold on fast to his profession. 
and the Reformation was underway. The scripture says, hold fast to your profession. We have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, God's son. And then we notice something else about Jesus as our high priest. The scripture says that he can sympathize with us. So let's look at that sympathy of our great high priest. The scripture says here that Jesus can identify with us. This is absolutely amazing to me. The scripture would take it from this vantage point. Jesus, in verse 15, was tempted in all ways like we're tempted. He went through all kinds of temptation. And you may say, well, Jesus wasn't married, so he couldn't have the same temptation a husband and wife would have. No, Jesus is tempted in all sorts of ways like you and I are tempted, in all kinds of categories. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 16 kind of talks about those categories and how we would be uh, tempted in our spirit or our soul or our body or our mind. And it talks about those different ways that we might find ourselves tempted. And it says Jesus can identify with you in your temptation. He can empathize with you. The scripture says he can help you. And here's how he helps you. He was tempted just like we are, the scripture says. And Matthew records his temptation. Yet Jesus was without sin. He's God's son. Jesus went through all of these temptations, but our passage in verse 15 says he is without sin. Chuck Swindoll is a great minister, writer, theologian. He was president of Dallas Theological Seminary and been on the radio in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. He's still on the radio. He pastors a church. But as a young man, he said, I was in the military. And while I was in the military as a young man, he said, I was way away from family and everybody else. He said, I had no close family or friends with me. I had no one to turn to me and to turn to. He said, I turned to the book of Hebrews and I read verse 15 and received a tremendous jolt. He said, God got hold of my shoulders and took hold of me. And he said, my son is not, speaking of Jesus, he's not some distant high priest who is untouched by the feelings and the weaknesses we have. He is super strong, and he cares deeply about the things you care about. Seeing you in your need, he's touched by those feelings because he has been tested in every point like you are, yet without ever sinning. The scripture says in Isaiah 53, all of us have sinned. Every one of us have sinned and gone astray. You have sinned. Everybody you know has sinned. I have sinned. We have all sinned and gone astray. But Jesus can empathize with us. He has taken our sin on himself, the scripture says, because God laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all and put him on the cross. And he felt the weight and the penalty and the burden of your sin and mine while he hung there on the cross. This is Jesus. Today is our grandson Josiah's second birthday. He's a wonderful little kid. And he is, we celebrated his birthday last Sunday afternoon. And so while we were together, we had a good time, and uh, my son-in-law Robert, his folks were there, and Pam and I were there, and, and Anthony and Kelly were there, and Andrea and Robert and Lily, of course, they were there. And so we'd had a big time at their, at their church, and some of the friends were there. Now the friends are gone. We have all cleaned up. We're sitting around in the living room at Robert and Andrea's house, and while we're sitting around in the living room, my daughter begins to cry. And I'm thinking, oh boy, here we go. What is wrong now? And uh, I look over to see what's going on. And uh, she says, I'm not sad and nothing's wrong. I'm just overjoyed. I feel good. This has been a great day. And I said, thank you, Jesus, under my breath. This is what is happening here. 
Jojo was across the room playing with some of his little trucks. He loves cars and trucks and trains. And he came over seeing his mother crying, and he came across the room where she was, and he started patting her empathy, sympathizing. I want to tell you, the creator of the universe, the God of heaven, your Jesus, comes alongside you when you're hurting, when you're out there, when you're feeling it, when you're feeling isolated and picked off by the evil one, and the winds are cold around your soul. He can empathize with you, and he has opened up the Holy of Holies. Oh, thank you, Jesus. He invites us into the presence of God and says, I will warm you up. I will hold you close. I will help you. He is indeed our comforter, our guide, our Savior, our Lord. No wonder I love him so much. He is an amazing, amazing God, and he loves you. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 13 says, God knows our breaking point. When we are tempted, He'll pave a way of escape. That's empathy, ladies and gentlemen. Verse 15 says, He empathizes with you. Aren't you glad for that? Johnny Erickson Tata, as a beautiful young teenager, was going to take a swim. She dove off, hit her head, broke her neck, was immediately a quadriplegic. And the accident left her very depressed and very discouraged. She had a friend named Cindy who came over to see her. She said, Cindy, you're my friend. I want you to help me out. Give me, give me those pills and give me way more than I'm supposed to have so I'll just be able to go to sleep and forget it all and die. And her friend said, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do that. And then she said, Jesus knows how you feel, Johnny. Johnny looked at Cindy and she said, what in the world are you talking about? She, she said Cindy did as if on cue. It is true. It is true. Remember, he was nailed to a cross. His back was raw from the beating. Like sometimes your back is raw from laying in the bed. And there's sometimes you want to move to change position, but you can't. And, and there he was wanting to change position and redistribute his weight somehow. But he couldn't move, Johnny. He knows how you feel. That may or may not mean anything to you, but to Johnny it meant a lot. It soaked down as if a rain had come on dry ground, and it began to soak into her spirit, and she began to realize that God was incredibly close to her, that he did love her, and that he did have a purpose and a future, even beyond the brokenness of her body that would never be healed in the way it had been before. You and I have a great high priest, not just a high priest, not one elected by people, no, we have a great high priest who has been approved by God himself, who has paid the price and the penalty, sacrificing himself for our sins. And now he is inviting us in to his presence. But there's something else I want to look at. That is the sufficiency of our high priest. Look at verse 16 of your passage. The sufficiency of our high priest, our great high priest. We are invited now to come boldly into his throne to receive mercy. Most of us know the things we've done and think about the things we've done, all the places we've been and everything about our lives. And we're uncomfortable coming into the presence of God. We don't want to go into church because a pastor might recognize us or see something about our life. And a lot of times we say, well, I don't want, I don't want to, I don't feel comfortable doing that. And we, we figure out why we don't want to go into the presence of God. And we try to distance ourselves, don't we, from the presence of God. We try to do that kind of stuff. But he said, no, I don't want you to distance yourself from me. I want you to come to me. 
This is why Jesus would say, come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Bring your fears. Bring your anxieties. Bring your broken body. Bring your broken mind. Bring your life filled with habits. Bring your life that is filled with sin. Bring your life that is filled with all kinds of ambitions and dreams. And he says, come to me. I want to work in your life. I want to forgive you. I want to clean you. I want to help you. Common people weren't allowed into the Holy of Holies. You and I had no way to get in there. But Jesus has given us a way to get in there because we had two great needs. One of our great needs that we had was for mercy. Mercy, the idea of this is forgiveness. I need you to forgive me for the sins. I need you to forgive me for the things that I have done, that I have thought, that I have said. Cleanse me, God. Launder me, David says over in Psalm 51. Repeatedly, just spin me, spin me over and over with all kinds of detergents. Wash and rewash me that I might be whiter than snow, he would say. Mercy doesn't give us what we deserve because we deserve punishment. But at the mercy seat of God, he doesn't offer us that great smash judgment. At this moment, he's offering us mercy. He's also offering us grace. Grace is the inner strength to stand up against the struggles that we have. When you have those marital troubles and maybe even somebody walks out of your life, how are you going to be able to face the future? When a loved one passes away, how will you face the future? Whenever you realize after you wake up from something you did, you cannot believe you did it. Why did I do it? That was so stupid. I cannot believe. And you try to clean yourself from all that in your mind and body, and you cannot do it. You receive something called grace. Grace. God does give us what we do not deserve now. When he gives us this, he gives us a new chance. He gives us a forgiven heart. He gives us a new start. He gives us courage. He gives us a do-over. He gives us absolute forgiveness. John Newton was a slave trader. John Newton wasn't proud of his life. He used to think he was all that, but he realized he was a terrible man, and he was so separated from God, and his sin separated him from God. Your sin might separate you from God. And in realizing that his sin separated him from God, eventually he came to the awareness that apart from Jesus Christ, he could not save himself. And he eventually turned his life over to Jesus. He invited Christ in, and he went as if it were into the Holy of Holies himself in prayer, dirty, broken, sinful, as he was. And he would come away from that experience of conversion, of salvation, of forgiveness, of new birth, and he would write those words that have been sung by millions of people around the world for many, many years. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. It's grace that brought me safe this far. It's grace going to lead me home. He didn't depend on himself. He depended on the grace of God to forgive him, to cleanse him, to give him a new chance and a new start. This is the difference between a high priest and the great high priest. The great high priest can cleanse us and his power will make us what we ought to be. I know you're not deaf, but I'm excited. And so is this passage. I say to you this morning, there is no burden. There is no sin. There is no need. There is no fear. There is no anxiety too great or too small to bring to him. There is no, no thing too private, too public, but what he can still make sense out of it and can bring your life into what it ought to be. Can I get a witness somewhere in this crowd today? Thank you, Jesus. Everybody sitting across this auditorium right now, 
needs a great high priest. You do, and I do. What would keep you from inviting him into your life right now? Right now where you're sitting. What are you delaying for? What are you waiting for? What else is there? Who else is there? Nothing's worth hanging on to. Give it up. Come to the Creator, the great high priest who died on the cross, the sacrifice. You don't have to give the animal. He is our perfect sacrifice. And come to Him who invites you in and find forgiveness and restoration and purpose for life. He can forgive you in a moment from everything you have ever done and make you right before God. So when you take your last breath, your first breath in eternity is with God. I didn't design it. He did. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. I want to invite you to receive Jesus Christ, our great high priest, today. Right there where you're sitting. Open your heart to Him now. Right now. Right now. What are you waiting on? Right now. Open your heart. Don't delay. Open your mind. Receive Him into yourself. Invite Him in. Just confess to Him. And you never have to confess to me. Just tell Him. And He'll forgive you. Right now. Lord Jesus. Pam, come to the keyboard. Right now. In this room, we sense... Your Holy Spirit, your presence, you're at work. I don't know everything that you're choosing to do here, but you do. I can't look into hearts, but you can. Lord, I pray right now that you would hear the prayer of those who are confessing sin and inviting you in as their great high priest their perfect sacrifice their savior I thank you Lord for those that right now are confessing you as Lord they've always looked to another person somewhere religiously or otherwise and Realize on this great Reformation Day, it's not looking to somebody. It's looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So today, Lord, we confess you as our Lord. Tear away all the things that hold us back. all of the encumbrances and make us clean before you I pray give us the strength and courage to live for you every day and to call on you repeatedly as our friend as our savior as our lord if you prayed that prayer if you prayed ask God to come into your life he did that today
It's that simple. It doesn't cost a dollar. But it costs him his life, and he'll want you to follow him from now on, every day, every decision. You can do it with his help. If you mess up, you have a great high priest who will help you. He will help you.